fateful wedding day. Directed by Mark Valdez, the play will run three weekends only, from April 26th to May 13th at the Mexican Heritage Plaza Theater in San Jose. So you only have two weekends left for the tickets. Have your pencils ready, and I'll give the magic phone numbers and website later in the program if you want to order tickets. The writer, Federico Garcia Lorca, a Spanish poet and dramatist, was killed by nationalist Franco supporters in 1936 during the Spanish Civil War at age 38. Beloved in Mexico and Latin America, his work is considered one of the best Spanish plays ever written. Bodas de Sangre was written in 1931 and centers on the very contemporary theme of social repression, focusing on Lorca's criticisms of Spanish society and its rigid class structure. The story revolves around human passion, set on fire by the desire for a marriage born of love instead of the demanded one by social expectations. The bride is obsessed with a consuming love for Leonardo, a neighbor's husband, while her mother-in-law-to-be upholds the community's expectations of the upcoming wedding to her son. The play is interwoven with music, song, and surreal symbolism. To discuss the play and their production, we have in the studio two guests from the producers Teatro Vision of San Jose, one of the country's leading Chicano teatros. One is the Teatro Vision artistic director and founder, Elisa Marina Alvarado, who is a founding member of the 23-year-old arts organization. As an actress, director, and community organizer, Elisa Marino Alvarado has been active in the Chicano movement for over 30 years. Elisa has taught theater for Teatro Vision, San Jose State University, San Francisco State University, and many community organizations. She developed a new works program, Codices, through which Teatro Vision produces world premieres for plays, including Conjunto by Oliver Meyer and Boxcar. She established Teatro Vision's education program, Instituto del de Teatro, which offers comprehensive training in culture and community-based theater for Latino communities. Welcome to Open Book. Thank you, Nita. It's a pleasure to be here. My pleasure, too. And we also have actor Carla Pantoja, a cast member of Bodas de Sangre, as a guest today. Carla Pantoja has been a Teatro Vision participant for the last 10 years. She's worked from acting and choreographing fight scenes to teaching and serving on the artistic committee. Her earlier onstage role with Teatro Vision was in The Cook last year. A Bay Area actor, Carla has worked with shotgun players, City Lights Theater Company, Theater Works, Cal Shakes, San Francisco Shakespeare Festival, Playground, and Women's Will. She is currently a member of Theater Bay Area. Welcome, Carla. Thanks, Nina. I'm happy to be here. Elisa, my first question is to you. I know that last night the cast held a post-show talkback with the audience, and you discussed how a Spanish playwright like Federico Garcia Lorca fits into Chicano theater. Can you summarize that discussion with us, and 
Also tell us what inspired you to choose Bodas de Sangre, Blood Wedding, as part of the teatro's performance season. Um, well, I have to be honest in uh, in terms of the inspiration to do uh, Blood Wedding, Bodas de Sangre, and I really want to give credit to Carla and some other uh, compañeros of Teatro Visión, Jesús Reyes and Pamela Salazar, because they, uh, many, many years ago, uh, encouraged Teatro Visión to take a look at uh, Lorca's work. And, and it was at a time when Teatro Visión was developmentally moving from doing kind of problem-focused work, you know, a theater that was specifically about a particular struggle. And there was, you know, the the oppressor and the oppressed. And there, um, and really um, beginning to do work that looked more closely at uh, internal being, you know, in a, col- a colonized people. And what, what does that do to our spirit, our psychology, our um, our families, our relationships? And of course, you know, Lorca is is just wonderful in in his ability to through poetry to capture you know this this struggle with with class. And uh, he didn't address race so much in his work, but certainly class, which is as a Chicano people we are you know part of the working class in this country. So uh, Bodas de Sangre, Blood Wedding, has certainly been on my table for a long, long time. Uh, we felt that. Teatro Vision needed to grow and our ability to do the, to perform the rich language of Lorca. And, and part of that is reclaiming the ability to perform in Spanish. As, as you may know, many Chicanos, um, uh, we were born here, we grow up here, and we're not encouraged to speak Spanish. Hopefully we've had parents who've taught us at home, but sometimes uh, we've had parents who didn't want us to speak Spanish because they thought it would it hold us hold us back um, in getting jobs or at school. So um, we identify as being people of, of Mexican heritage, but we're not able to speak Spanish. So it took us a while to, to really um, get the confidence and to group the... Um, the pool of actors and to kind of be, be ready to do something like blood wedding. So I, I, I wanted to point out that history. The, um, the other is that, uh, we've kind of had a running theme the past couple of years in a, a, an understanding of what is fascism culturally mm-hmm. and of what does it look like. We're getting close there ourselves. Yes. Mm. Yes. And and we felt that as part of our work as a theater company and you know in in the tradition of Chicano theater is to call for a, an investigation or a reflection on what's going on in our society as well as what happens, you know, the the human condition, the human experience. So um Lorca of course gave his life to keep for the ability to speak about what fascism did to people, um, and, and blood wedding is um, is just a, a truly, truly uh, tragic and yet um, important and powerful work uh, to to be listened to, to be performed, in order to understand what how fascism can show up in in a very intimate way in our lives. In this case of forcing uh, an unwanted marriage on exactly, a young woman, exactly. And I think we could look today at the issue of gay marriage. You know, the denial of uh, the right to marry whom you love. And um, you've brought up the issue of gay marriage. Uh, 
Lorca is considered today as a homosexual writer. Yes, yes. And uh, how how do you feel that related? Well, he it it must have brought an incredible sensibility to blood wedding, his an understanding um, of what it meant to not be able to to be denied the right to love who to live with the one you love in an open way. Um, and so I think that uh, while the, you know, the play is not explicitly about uh, being a homosexual, I, I think certainly that the experience of, of, of being homosexual, not being able to, to marry is, is present. It can be read in that play. Well, thank you. Uh, another question is, why did you choose to reset the play from Spain to California's Central Valley, and what changes did that ensue in the script of the production? Well, we did not want to change the script per se. We changed a few words, uh, for example, pan tu tortilla. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really wanted the full challenge of Orca's language, um, you know, on our shoulders as Teatro Vision. And, uh, and artistically, it, it's a challenge also to, to, set it in a contemporary time so that people would not be distracted by the the novelty of a of a Spanish play with castanets and um flamenco yeah flamenco and this and that so that people wouldn't see it as something as a story that's in another time and another place um while we the play is actually very um uh how would i say uh, minimalist it's not that we have you know, actually these rows of, of grape, <laughs> you know, vines. And um, there are references that give the feeling of, of the Central Valley. And we wanted that in order to bring it into our, closer to our experience as, as Chicanos. One of the, um, the interests there was that uh, as a people who are uh, an immigrant people, often we are living in our own families. We have generations. We have perhaps a grandmother or even our own parents who are very much still of a more traditional culture uh, and it's kind of traditional, perhaps Catholic, you know, values. And, um, and then we have the younger generation who has grown up here and, and has a kind of a foot in both worlds, you know, both the, the, the individualism of the society and yet, and also the traditionalism of, of an older Mexican generation. So we thought that we would, might be able to bring, tease that out by setting it, um, in, uh, a California. And then you projected all the English dialogue, the translation, onto the side of the stage. Yes, uh, we have a, a huge kind of a banner running across the top and we have a, a, film projector and uh, every the whole play word for word is being projected up there the tra- the english translation very exciting very exciting my next question or rather series of questions is to you carla what character do you play in this production um what has been your process and what's your nightly experience been in the performances and what were the rehearsals like and if you can handle more questions, what role do the masks and puppets play 
And what's it like to interact with these factors as well as a banner of English language running across the tops of your heads? Okay. Um, well, I play three different characters. I play La Suegra, who is the mother-in-law of Leonardo, who is the one that the bride is in love with. Um, I also play um, a muchacha, who is just a girl at the wedding, who is all very excited about the idea of a wedding and can't wait to get married herself. And um, I also have a puppet in that, that particular instance. And then I play a leñador, who is a woodcutter, who is kind of a, a mix between the magic that, that Lorca includes, because Lorca has characters in there like the moon and... Um, what could be considered death come in, which is quite magical, which is very similar to Chicano theater. A lot of Chicano theater have has magic realism there. Um, the woodcutters play a, a part in between the real of the of the world of the the novios, the bridegroom, the bride, and and the real the the magic realism of the moon. They kind of are in between those two worlds. Um, are you a man when you're the Yes, woodcutter? I'm a man. I'm a man oh. when I'm a woodcutter and uh so it's it's really great. I love it. Um the process was intense. It was wonderful. Thank goodness for our director, Mark Valdez. Um we spent time with the masks, learned um how to work with the masks, physicalize them. As actors many actors rely just on their face and their facial expressions to show how we feel, but because a mask is covering two-thirds of your face, you have to rely on your whole body to express that feeling, the emotion, so that the audience understands where you're coming from. You also can't turn your back on the audience so much because your face, the mask, is very important. Once you turn that face, it's done. <laughs> you know, you mm -hmm. have to go off stage or, or start something new. Um, as far as every night, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's so much fun to change. I, I'm very excited to portray three different characters and go from kind of an old crone who's bent over and very mean to a young girl who can't wait to get married with a, a I have a life-size puppet next to me she's um on a dress form and um I kind of speak for her and I move her around and manipulate her around the crowd she's another bridesmaid as it were um and then changing into a man and being a woodcutter and um Interacting with the puppets is also another part of the play itself. You have to uh, maintain that they are real. There's a niña puppet, a child puppet. There's also the moon, and then there's the um, the beggar woman, who some might say is death, um, that are puppets, and you just have to interact with them. They are another actor on stage, so you interact exactly with them as you would another actor on stage. Um, and we have musicians who are on stage the whole time with us. There are songs that we, we deal with uh, that are wonderful, but um, the musicians help portray the, the emotion and help move us along the path of, of the story and help embellish it, as it were, which is great. Um, the rehearsals, a lot of physical physical uh, things that we had to do, especially with the mask work. You can't... Um, you can't deny the physical in acting. Your whole body, it, as an actor, your body is, is your tool and your voice. So we worked on voice and we worked on the physical because maybe our voice can convey the emotion of 
what is going on in our bodies because our faces, we can't raise an eyebrow to show that something that mm-hmm. we're surprised or, or that has to be conveyed with the entire body. And the audience seems to have en- enjoy it very much. And uh, sometimes we see them looking up, reading the, the translations, and then looking down and, and kind of catching both. And um, it, it is interesting. There's, there's the, the Spanish speakers who catch jokes because this is a funny play in some parts. You know, uh-huh. it's not all <laughs> gloom and doom. Um, the Spanish speakers catch the jokes right away. And then there's a little tiny delay for those who are reading the, you know, as uh, one of the other actors mentioned, it's like a um, a joke uh, grenade. You pull it, you throw it out, and then it explodes. It takes a while. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's been so much fun. It's wonderful. So you have a lot of experience in the physical life of theater as the choreographer of battle scenes. Uh, yes, there's, there's some little fight things going on in there. Um, and, um, yeah, I... Physically, you just have to move your body. As actors, that's our job. We gotta train the voice, train the body, get in there and do all of that. Um, another tool. And uh, you're going to be holding another post-show talk about. This time, it's a talk about, not a talk back, with the mask maker on the Sunday performance. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, Hugo. Carvajal will be talking about um, the mask, how he went through the process of making the mask that represent each character, all the lines and, and how the face looks represent the character, and that helps portray how we move our bodies, as well as the um, as Christopher Cristant, who did the puppets for them and, and what that represents. They'll talk about how the symbolism of why we're wearing masks as far as being in the society, a strict society, in society, we have masks on all the time to protect mm-hmm. our emotions. And those, there are some characters in the show that do not have masks because they're innocent and they're very pure of passion and of heart. And they have not been boxed into this society, the strictures of society. That's what they'll talk about on Sunday. <laughs> well, that's going to be a fascinating conversation. And the Sunday performance is at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, is that right? Yep, 2 o'clock, and it's, uh, there's a 15-minute intermission, and it's only about, it's a quick show, folks. It's about an hour 45, maybe, tops. And so the, the talk about, about the mask and the puppets will happen right after. Sounds very interesting, especially for those of us who will be driving down from the Bay Area. It gives us a timeline when we'll be heading back. Um, My next question is to Elisa. As the founder and artistic director of Teatro Vision, what is Teatro Vision's history in maintaining the ideals and the practice of Chicano theater? Chicano theater was born of... uh, struggle you know, of, uh, children of Mexican uh, parents primarily the you know those are those are uh, the people that have identified themselves as Chicanos those you know we often identify the Chicano movement as uh, having been born in, in relationship to the the movement of the farm workers campesino and and teatro Chicano having been um, the been born of the work of, of teatro campesino in particular um, the Teatro Chicano 
one of the things that, that I think in experience at Teatro Vision is that we've, we found that to grow and to evolve and to stay alive as a, a, a unique form of expression of the Chicano people is that we, we didn't, um, we, we shouldn't be locked into a certain style of, of performance that there's a lot to say about a lot of things. As Chicano people, we have a very complex experience in, in this country and, and we are in a, sitting in a place where we often see what's going on around, not, not only in our own barrios, but also in the world. And so we need, uh, and we deserve all of the tools and all of the forms of, of, of performance. Uh, we need those at hand in order to talk about and express a Chicano perspective. The the Chicano perspective is something that I think is very, uh, has continued to be very relevant. One of uh, that, that we are essentially a, an indigenous people in this land and we have had kind of a second class status because we've lost our land. Um, Chicanismo has been as associated with um, the rights of workers and, and uh, equality, gender equality, and, and more recently, uh, an understanding of that we it's important if we call ourselves Chicano to also oppose homophobia, um, an anti-war stance. So it's it's in a sense a set of values rather than a sort of set one way of performing theater. Um, and I and so that's one of the things I think Teatro Vision has really led in in the evolution of Chicano theater. So as we were doing that, amazing writers are also emerging, like Luis Alfaro and, and Shiri Moraga here locally. And we um and, and in order to be partners for writers like that, we needed to become very adept and kind of have a multiple uh, a multiplicity in in terms of our disciplines and our and our ways of being able to perform what was your excuse me <clears throat> what was your own evolution as a theater artist well i i think like a lot of people i saw i was um, probably 17 years old and i saw Chig- uh, teatro campesino performing at san jose state and uh were I, you a student at the time um was I? No, I think I was just getting out of high school about then. And I, uh, of course, in high school, I was very active in the anti-war. I used to come up here to Berkeley to the anti-war things in People's Park. And um, they, I saw Teatro Campesino and I was just blown away because my parents, and I, you know, am very thankful to them, had uh, exposed me to popular Mexican culture, uh, Spanish literature, um, and, and theater. And we always, in our family, there was a love of theater. And so when I saw Teatro Campesino, I said, wow. And it so happened that there was a group here in, in um, down in San Jose that was developing an urban counterpart. That, that Teatro Campesino was, spoke about what was going on in the campo, in the fields. But we wanted a theater that spoke about police brutality and students. And, and so we developed Teatro de la Gente in San Jose. And we had a cultural center. And so that's kind of an... 
And so, so you got on from there. You got your training by doing, by doing, and also what we, we would do is we would bring up amazing uh, theater leaders like en- Enrique Buenaventura, people from Latin America. Oh. Uh, you may remember Teatro Triangulo that yes. toured up here. Mascarones, yes. a number of people from Mascarones. So we brought some of the best of the best of Mexico and Latin America, and they came and taught. We also brought people from San Francisco Mime Troupe, taught us juggling and you know physical theater, and and we would. Have have them in residence and we were full time we worked every day from from 9 till 10 at night we'd have intense training during the daytime and then we would rehearse in the evening so that's i i really feel like i'm a great training um and it's kind of a uh, something that i i hold to and teatro vision has developed a training program called the instituto de teatro it's our uh, our actor training program based on the same idea and you recruit, you recruit new young people? Right, right. And we bring in, we've brought in people that, um, some of the ve- veterans of Chicano theater, we had like Danny Valdez and people from Teatro Campesino, Rosa Maria Escalante, who's in the play. Um, we've also brought people who do theater of the oppressed, some of those forms. Um, and uh, Michael Road. Uh, from Sorgen Theater. We just had a training with him. I don't know about him. Who oh, you should check out his work. Amazing work. He's actually working on an adaptation of uh, Breck's uh, Good Woman of Shiswan right now. Oh, up interesting. Up in Portland. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, thank you so much, Elisa Marino Alvarado and Carla Pantoja. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's so great to see you again. We've known each other for so long. (laughs) Yes, and I remember meeting you on the steps of the Teatro Campesino on that big deck in San Juan Bautista. I'm sure. You must have been at that point planning on starting Teatro Vision because you were very excited about a new group you were working with. It might have been. I mean, that, because I left Teatro La Gente in 77 in there and right away formed another company, which actually David Terminal, uh, who's also in this play, a co-founder of Teatro Vision. And uh, we've we've had lots of different ni- names, like Teatro Contra Baki, Teatro Contra <laughs> Reagan, Teatro Contra La Migra, but it's the same group of people, right. <laughs> pretty much. So that might have been the time. I think that was the time, and, and you were... Very, very inspired and very excited, and I can understand why. Mm-hmm. It seems like your your own vision has come to fruition, especially with this uh, Bodas de Sangre, Blood Wedding. So now, dear listeners, if you're ready, it's time to write down the ticket information for Bodas de Sangre, Blood Wedding. The show got terrific reviews this week from the San Jose Mercury and the San Jose Metro. Tickets begin at $14, and they're available for this weekend all the way to the closing on May 13th. And you can go to, are you ready? www.teatrovision.org, which is www.teatrovision. In English, it would be Teatro Vision. Or you could call area code 408 272 9926. I'm going to give that number again. That's area code 408-272-9926 or go to the ticket office at the Mexican Heritage Plaza in San Jose. Then there's an organization with the name of Artsopopolis. I really like that. <laughs> Artsopopolis. And they're offering half-price tickets on their website for Thursday and Friday performances. 
So call Teatro Vision for more information. That's 408-272-9926. Again, 408-272-9926 for more information. And the show is suitable for people of all ages. And we're going to give you a little taste of uh, one of the songs that brought to mind this production for Elisa. listening and thanks to Carlos Valquez for his expertise and Erica Bridgman for technical assistance. This has been Nina Serrano for Open Book wishing you all a very good weekend. KPFA Spring Fun Drive is upon us. From Tuesday, May 8th through Wednesday, May 23rd, KPFA will host hundreds of fun volunteers. To make their experience more pleasurable, we're seeking food donations from local restaurants, caterers, and grocers. As thanks for participation in this community-building effort, food donors are frequently mentioned on the air and are listed on our website. Take advantage of this wonderful opportunity by supporting KPFA's efforts with a tax-deductible food donation. For more information, please contact Maria at 510-848-6767, extension 258, or email maria at kpfa.org.